1: All right, welcome back to Advantage Connors. Here's part two of our conversation with baseball legend Pete Rose. What do you think about uh, Vegas kind of getting into pro sports? You know, for so long, they wouldn't have the you know sports in Nevada on the book. You know, and now they've opened it up yeah. with the Raiders and, and like the... Well,
2: I, I just think it's going to be too hot for a baseball team unless they get a dome stadium. And that's going to take a couple of years to build. Uh, the football stadium is is open but we haven't had a crowd in there because of the virus and that's a beautiful looking stadium t-mobile arena where the hockey team plays is a beautiful facility Mm. and i don't know if vegas could support a baseball team or not i don't think people are going to go to a baseball game in vegas in june july and august it's too damn hot right too damn hot and you got to have a a dome stadium and it takes what a couple years to build a dome stadium Baseball, yeah, but, they, but uh, Las Vegas now Jimmy has three million people living in it. Right, I know. A big city, yeah. That's a big city.
3: Yeah,
0: but they,
2: Pete, have, a, they, they have a place at the football stadium, okay? Uh, Hill does, where you can go up during the, the game and make a bet on the game inside the stadium. That's crazy. I mean, it's changed, huh? They're not worried about it. They're not worried about it. Yeah. but we, people, you know you
0: you you say vegas is hot I've, I've been to cincinnati in the in the summertime i'm i'm uh, oh yeah you know, I, I was i was uh, born and raised in a small town in southern illinois right across the river from st louis where you know where the st louis cardinals play that that's no picnic in the summer either you know oh no
2: neither's near, Atlanta.
0: right Near. Yeah. Atlanta,
2: but yeah. they you play mostly night games though
0: so. ah, oh interesting yeah good point yep
2: you were you from Carbondale?
0: No, I'm, I'm from a little town called East St. Louis, Illinois. And, I to,
2: Mike Shannon used to take me to Cahokia Downs. That's a, right. Or Fairmount Park.
0: Fairmount Park. <laughs>
2: and it was horse racing, <laughs> but it was mule racing. It really what? was.
0: Oh, that's my backyard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's, you know, five, three minutes from where I was born and raised. But, that was uh, fun. That was yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, born mm. and raised there, and it was a good place to be from, and uh uh, well, Cardinal okay.
2: fans are great. They got, they got great fans in St. Louis. Yeah, they do. I and mean, they sell out almost every game. And uh, uh, like when I was a free agent, uh, you know, going through free agency, I went to St. Louis and negotiated with uh, Mr. Bush and I wish it had took his offer. Cause he offered me a, a, a already a proven Budweiser distributorship
0: Oh boy! And I
2: went to Ted Turner. He offered me a million dollars a year. Uh, Mr. Kaufman in Kansas City offered me oral wells that were producing. And I went to Pittsburgh with Mr. Galbraith. And let me tell you something, Jimmy, if he if he if he had told me, OK, he was in the horses.
3: Mm-hmm. If
2: Mr. Galbraith would have told me that he had a derby winner that had balls that big, I'd have been a <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so so you you're uh, you're interested in uh, do you own horses?
2: I, I used to, I used uh-huh. to. And uh, the horse business is fascinating. And there's a lot of, as you know, a lot of rich people in the, in the, in the racing industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's, it's my passion. I, I like to go to the racetrack. I love the triple crown. I love the breeder's cup. I mean, you know, I, I can name horses because I follow it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, I could never bad mouth it because there's so many great people in that business.
1: Rem- remember, charismatic.
2: The horse
1: yeah. charismatic, Sure. Yeah. We remember we went and saw we saw her run uh, in uh, Preakness
2: the second Preakness. one. Right. So she got when she won. Well, the I, I remember a Secretary out won the Belmont by thirty one lengths. Yeah. yeah. That was so. Thirty one lengths. That's crazy. That's almost an eighth of a mile. Hmm. That's a. You guys remember uh, Don Zimmer? Oh yeah. 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 Well, Don Zimmer and I grew up in the same neighborhood, and. Our dads were literally teammates and we went to the same high school, same coach, same American legend coach, uh, same little league coach. And Don was a big gambler and his dad was a big gambler, but his dad was the nicest guy in the world. And I tell people that Don was four or five years older than me when he was 14 or 15, I was nine or 10. Our dads would take us to River Downs racetrack every Saturday and i tell him, that's where all that shit started, okay? <laughs> that's, yeah.
3: That's
2: a good, that's a good introduction sure somewhere. And, and, and Mr. Zimmer, I'm 10 years old. This is uh, 1951 or whatever. And Mr. Zimmer, I saw him one day and he said, Petey, he said, I had a dream last night about white hats and black hats and round hats and square hats, and I went to work. He owned a produce company, and a Cincinnati Red fan gave him a new Cincinnati Red hat. And he, as he did every day, he ate lunch, and he went – 10 miles east of River Downs racetrack. And they opened up the program, and number one was Top Hat. Now he's dreaming about hats. Guy gave him a new Cincinnati red hat. Top Hat is number one. This is 1951. He bet $1,000 to win on Top Hat. Really? He said, they're coming around two turns. They're coming down the home stretch. The last jump, a 50 to one shot beat Top Hat.
3: Oh, that felt my. so
2: bad, and I said, "I said Dud, that was his name." I said, "Who won the race?" He said, "Sombrero." <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my. So if Donald would have been Spanish, he'd have won fifty thousand. <laughs> oh
0: my god! The, the 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 stories. What What would you have been awesome. if you wouldn't have been a baseball player?
2: Football. I was better in football. I almost went to University of Tennessee to play football. Mm. My dad, dad was greatest yeah, your, greatest football. Dad, yeah, I know your dad was. Cincinnati. And uh, I wanted to be a football player, but I didn't like school. I didn't mm-hmm. like school. And you know, Jimmy, if I hadn't had an uncle who was a scout for the Reds, I'd not never got a chance to play. I'd have never got a chance to play because I was too small. I grew it after I got out of high school. When I graduated from high school, I was 155. Two and a half years later. I made the Reds. I weighed two oh two. I got bigger. I'm, I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry got, about I got, that. I I don't I don't know how to get that off. It's not my phone. What's up? Is that oh, my phone ringing? No, ring? it, no, it's no not, you're good. You're oh, good. Um, I apologize.
1: I, so, uh, what position would you play if you'd gone into football? As a running back. Running back. Yeah.
2: Okay. Option quarterback. I was a kicker. I brought the kicks back. I, that was my passion because my dad uh, was a great football player in Cincinnati. And then when my dad played, uh, the only TV football we had was the Cleveland Browns every Sunday in Cincinnati, and he played. Uh, he used to play where would be eight to ten thousand people at every game, and I would take the hat through the crowd at halftime to try to, you know, pick up the money to pay the referees. I was <laughs> I was I was the, I was the money guy. And I was the water boy. I was the water boy for the team. Those are the good old days. Those yeah. were the good old days and I, I, forever, can't, right? I can't tell you Jimmy, how many times in my life that people come up to come up to me in Cincinnati and they used to say, if you're half the man your dad was, you're going to be a hell of a man. I never got tired of hearing that because oh, I knew is... I knew what they were saying and I knew what they meant. Mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy my dad was. My dad was one tub, tough soB.
0: That's a good role model, right?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't screw with him unless I had a nine millimeter, because <laughs> he'd beat the hell out of you. Well, he do you beat think the hell out of you? Do you think he was that a banker. Then, he worked fifth, third bank. Yeah. Do you think I a little of that? I used to work for Carl uh, Linder. You know who he is, Jimmy? He's the yeah. one of that that tennis tournament in Cincinnati. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. north of town. Yeah, you played there many times. I
0: did many times. Is right. Yeah. That's up but-
2: by Kings yeah. Allen up toward Kings Island.
0: Right. It oh, is yeah. now, but yeah, right. back before it was in Cincinnati. Go ahead, Brett. You, had, you...
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, do you think uh, some of the things that people gave you shit for as yeah. far as hustling so much and all that stuff, you know, you were almost doing that, not for any of them, but for almost to live up to the high expectations your dad had kind of like instilled
2: it. in you? I'll, I'll give you one story. Then you'll know how I was raised. Okay. I used to get to the ballpark every day and I put Pete Rose Senior four tickets And he would never never wait after the game. This one particular night, I come out to the car and he's standing by my car. So right away, I think my mom's sick because she was a hypochondriac. She tried to die every year. She outlived my dad by 31 years, believe it or not. And my dad looks at me and said, let me ask you something, son. He said, that third time up tonight. And I was thinking, I had a man on third and two outs. He said, when you hit that ball to second base, Did you run hard to first? And I had to think about it because I was pissed off because I missed the pitch and I didn't run hard. And I said, uh, I guess I didn't. He said, don't embarrass me in this town like that. I taught you when you hit the ball, you run to the umpire says out or safe. Yes, sir. I'll see you tomorrow. When you're getting scrutinized that closely, Jimmy, your dad probably would do that. Your mom would do that to you. That's right. Did you hustle on that point? You know, when you were, uh, you know, when you're 40, 40, did you hustle? Or did mm-hmm. you just knock off that point and lose the damn game? That's the way when your parents are that, that closely watching you, it puts a lot of strain on you. And he was there every night. Right. Okay. Because we were from there. He went to every freaking game. Saw every one of my at-bats and he stuck around that one time to tell me that I wasn't hustling.
0: Can 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 you instill that in somebody? You you got it from your yeah, dad. He did
2: me. Yeah,
0: what he, he did gave you.
2: Me. See, I, because Jimmy, I, I think I'm a lot like you because I didn't want to disappoint my my parents. That's it. Especially my dad. My mom didn't go to every game,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but
2: my dad went to every game. And if I would if if I embarrassed him, or if I would embarrass myself, it's embarrassing him. And he was a big man in Cincinnati. I was the second most popular Pete Rose until I become a star baseball player. And I understood it. I understood what he was saying. Because it's just like when I was a little leaguer. Never criticized me in front of the teammates. He'd always explain to me on the way home why you don't do this. This is what you should have did, Okay. Do it the right way. Be fundamentally sound. Okay. Because if you're fundamentally sound, you got a better chance winning the game. And that's why you're playing. Right. When I was a Little Leaguer, I wasn't the best player on the team. We had a guy named Ed Brinkman, who got a big bonus to sign with the Washington Senators. And he got traded to Detroit. He still may have have some defensive records for Detroit. He was like a Babe Ruth in Cincinnati. Okay? I I got a contract because of one reason. I had an uncle who was a scout. I got a bonus. I I cashed it at the (laughs) drugstore.
0: That's
3: how small it was. Wow. That's
0: crazy. What uh, you know, it, it, fascin- it, it fascinates me, you know, because uh, you you've got kids, I've got kids, and and uh, sometimes when the parents get involved, uh, you know, some some kids, you know, uh, listen and, and want that, and, and other kids don't, you know, to they they they'd rather you know find a pro, yeah. you know, that uh, that they can you know communicate with uh, away from the parents. Well, one,
2: one thing I always worried about, Jimmy, is uh, I had two sons who played. Uh, I always worried about what the coaches knew or didn't know. I remember one time my son, Tyler, who's right here, he was playing in Beverly Hills Little League. And I go to a practice one night, and the coach don't know he's my son. And I'm sitting behind home plate. His name's Max Eisenberg, okay? And he's out there telling his kids to do this and do that. And I'm watching, I'm watching and I'm saying, what the hell is he teaching him? So I couldn't sit no longer. I got out from underneath behind home plate and I walked out and he recognized who I was. And I said, Max, what are you teaching these kids? You know, he, he was a, a movie producer, mm-hmm. but he's teaching my kid how to play baseball. And from that day on, I become assistant coach because I helped him because all you, all you fear as a, as a dad is that the coach is coaching your son for first of all you appreciate because they're not getting paid they're taking valuable time and out of their life to work with your kid you you i just hope that he knows what the hell he's talking about because that's where you start you know when you're eight nine years old that's where you start to learn i was nine years old when i I become a switch batter okay Mm -hmm. and and I wasn't a switch hitter, guys. I was a switch batter. There is a difference. <laughs> your, your dad's on top of it, bro. Uh, I'm, of it. <laughs>
0: I, I'm getting it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Uh, well, one of our favorite. We've been to a lot of sporting events. And, yes. uh, And played some baseball growing up, but the, our favorite probably sporting memory, besides from his accomplishments, was. uh, a baseball game i was living in scottsdale arizona going to uh-huh. college and we went to game six and seven of the 2001 world series when the diamondbacks oh. came back and, yeah. and beat the yankees yeah. and uh you know they won in the bottom of the ninth it's like you know story broke a,
2: broke. Back, broke a bad hit to center field
1: right yeah, yeah where
2: the remember jeter was kind of in gonzalez hit it
1: yeah but jeter was in because they did yeah. it and it got yeah. over his head a little yeah. bit yeah. yeah and so like that was the best maybe sporting event moment I'd ever been in that atmosphere. So like baseball is so cool to so many people, you know, becomes like a pastime. And I think, you know, you guys endear yourselves to so many people, you know, like different guys come and there's the prima donnas and the guys who don't care about the fans and, uh, you know, it's, you know, beneath them after a while, but you guys worked hard every day, never gave up, always gave 110%. And I think, you know, everybody out there, ignores a lot of the other bullshit that you had to run into and sees you for what you guys really bring to the game. And that's why I think you guys are so similar and beloved.
2: Uh, You know, the greatest moment I ever had individually, I mean, I had a lot of great moments like 75 when the first time I, 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 I took that trophy and held it up, become a world champion for the first time. That was after I failed in 70, failed in 72. In 73, we lost the playoffs to the Mets. But in 75, we played Boston. We won the World Series for the first time. Now, I'm, I don't know what uh, the best ovation you ever got, Jimmy. I don't even remember if you remember. But when I broke the record, 9 1985, at way to 8.01 p.m. against San Diego in Cincinnati, I'm at first base. This is no bullshit. I got a nine-minute standing ovation from 45,000 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, and, and what happens in that, Jimmy, is uh, five, six minutes, you're enjoying it. All the players come out and they're congratulating you. Then all of a sudden, everybody leaves and you're out there by yourself. And it was the only time I was ever on a baseball field. I didn't know what to do. I felt mm. helpless. Interesting. Okay. And uh, if, if you, if you want to get the feeling... If you're married, when you go home tomorrow night, your wife's cooking in the kitchen, go in the kitchen and stand there for nine minutes and clap. You won't be able to do it. Believe me, nope. you won't be able to do it. And I just want to stop. What's going on with the game? What's going on with the game? And that was a magical. Because, Jimmy, you know this. You never know what to expect from fans. Good, bad, or indifferent. Okay? Right. You'll do something some nice and they'll give you an ovation. Other nights, they won't even stand up and clap. You right. know, fans are fickle. You never know what they're going to do. Right. That's right. It seemed like everybody at that ballpark that night, I felt like I had iced tea with. They're all my hometown people. And they just started clapping and kept clapping and kept clapping. And what happens? Okay, four, five, six minutes is fine. Seven, eight minutes. Now, what happens is you're out there all by yourself mm-hmm. and you start thinking about everybody responsible for you being there that are gone. My little league coaches, my big league manager, my dad, my uncle, and my mom was there, uh, but all the baseball people in my life have left us. And you start thinking about them, and that's why I broke down. But it took eight, eight and a half minutes to break me down. Right? If I'd have left the field after eight minutes, I'd have been fine. But that last minute caught me. You understand what I'm saying?
0: But but all those people that do that, uh, in, in some way, I mean, you know, they're they're showing their you know their love and their appreciation for yeah. you. But 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 in in some way, they're all living through you too.
2: Correct, correct. Especially yeah. a hometown boy. Right. Yeah, but because those, I they, grew up on the same little league fields that they grew up on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, the rest of my life, where are you from? Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Not uh, Fort
3: Lauderdale,
2: Florida. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I played for the Cincinnati Reds. You know, I played for the Philadelphia Phillies. I played for the Expos.
1: Was it tough when you changed and went to Philly? No, because the
2: the Reds convinced me they no longer wanted my services. Once you convince yourself of that, it's easy to leave. Thank Mm -hmm. God I had somewhere to go that I wanted to go. And I went to Philly for five years. We won a World Series. We went to two World Series and playoffs three times. So I chose the team I wanted to go to because of the good players they had. And the only problem the Phillies had in the seventies was the Reds. Now, if I lead <laughs> the Reds to go to the Phillies, they don't have that problem no more. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. That's why
2: I looked at it. Okay. You got to find a home and the Philly fans, I'll tell you the fans that love me, Jimmy, is I went to, I went to Venezuela to play winter ball after the 60, 64 season. Cause I rookie a year and then I had a kind of a bad year. And I went down there and I bust my ass in Venezuela and they love me down there. Mm -hmm. Then we went to Japan for a 15 game series in 78 after the season was over and I bust my ass in Japan. I got hit in every game, but the last one. And I was diving for balls and doing this and doing that. And that's why for so many years, I was the most popular player in Japan because I didn't disappoint the people. Right. I busted my ass in Caracas and in Tokyo and Osaka, just like I did in Cincinnati, just like I did in Philadelphia and just like I did in, 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 Montreal. There's only one way to play, man. You did it. Was it hard? It wasn't hard to do, was it?
0: No, not when you're used to it every oh. day, you, you know, to go out and, and to you, you disappoint yourself too, if, if you yeah. don't. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing that, that when I walked off there, win or lose, yeah. I, I always, the you first gave thing,
2: you gave your long, all,
0: as long as I did that, uh, yeah. I, w- I was, I was kind of good with it. I was uh, kind of good with it. That doesn't mean losing. I was good with it, but it kind of eased the pain a little bit saying I couldn't have done anything more. Right.
2: Right. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. You give your best. And if you don't win, come back to the next night. give your best. Okay. A little different for tennis. Cause once it's Sunday. It's the last day, and you lose. You got to wait till next week. Baseball, if you go for 4 on Monday, you can go 4 for 4 on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I remember one time, I remember one time, uh, we're playing Montreal, ninth inning. Score tie, 1-1. Mike Schmidt is 0 for 3 with nine pitches and three strikeouts, which is unusual anyway because he has such a good eye. Mm -hmm. He's leading off the bottom of the ninth against Jeff Reard. First pitch, he hits a home run. Now, here's a guy... Just saw 10 pitches, struck out three times, goes around the bases, right to the star of the game show because he had a home run. I remember our time, this is this is a little off color, but it's funny. Tony Perez, he's one of my best friends, okay? And we're playing a game in Cincinnati and he hits a home run bottom of the night to win the game. And in those days, Joe Nuxall, our announcer, did a star of the game show right from next to the dugout where the camera guys were. Mm-hmm. And Tony goes all the way around the bases, and he goes in to do the show with Joe. And Joe, Joe was funny. I mean, Joe was the youngest player ever playing in the big leagues, fifteen years old. He made wow. the big leagues. And Joe looked at him and said, "Tony, was don't forget he's from Cuba." And 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 Joe said, "Tony, he said, congratulations, you hit a home run tonight. What did you hit?" And Tony looked at him and said, "Joe," he said, "I hit a cock high fastball." <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no shit, no shit. Like it is. Joe said, "No shit." Joe said, "No shit." I'd like
1: God. to see that drawing on the uh, animation. Oh, you yeah. know, like the little box with the uh, uh, High fastball.
2: <laughs> that's what he hit. Fastball right there. <laughs> that's, that's, that was his expression. That's what he, he couldn't wait to say that. He didn't think he was saying anything wrong because that's what he believed.
0: You you still you still see a lot of your buddies. From the days?
2: I, I, yeah. Uh, well, of course, we lost Joe about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. He was one of my best friends, Joe Morgan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Tony, and Joe who I hung around with. And none of us hung around with Johnny because he was the only one who was single. So he had mm-hmm. things to do every night. We, yeah. we didn't have those things to do on the road like Johnny did. <laughs> They're like brothers to me, Jimmy. I mean, you know, I I played so many games with him and traveled with him so much and and did a lot of appearance with him since we retired. I love those guys. I love Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton. You know, Andre Dawson's the greatest. Tim Raines. Of Mm -hmm. course, Gary Carter, we lost him. But, uh, uh, you know, most of the guys i played with, knock on wood, are still around. and, And we enjoy each other because when we see each other, there's so many good memories. Mm -hmm. There's so many good memories, so many good days of your life playing a World Series and winning and and playing in all-star games and and stuff like that. So, you know, I was I was lucky enough to play in 17 all-star games and we won 16. But back when we played the all-star games, Jimmy, we were playing for league pride, Mm -hmm. didn't have guys changing leagues. We had no DH in our league. DH was in the America League and when you're playing with Willie and Henry and and McCovey and guys like that uh I played against Stan Musial one year Yeah, yeah. he was a hell of a player and mm. he was a great guy Stan Musial well you're from around that area you know about all about Stan Musial
0: he was a good friend he, of my dad's
2: oh he's one of the top 5 players yeah. in the history of baseball Yep. yeah, yeah. He couldn't play that harmonica worth a shit, though. He thought he couldn't play that harmonica worth of shit. You though.
0: could, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't tell him that, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of All-Star game, do you mind if we talk a little bit about 1970? Sure. Yeah.
2: What? Well, uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was on Cleveland Indians named Sam McDowell. Sudden Sam. Remember mm-hmm. that name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made the All-Star team, and about a week before... Someone got scratched from our team, and I already had dinner arranged. The game was in Cincinnati. I had dinner arrangements with Sam McDowell. I was going to take him out to eat, and he called me, and he said, listen, they added this kid, rookie catcher we got named Ray Fossey, to the lineup, to the roster. Can he go out to eat with? I said, sure. What the hell? I don't care. Mm -hmm. So Sam and I and Ray went to dinner, and that guy asked me every question in the world about Johnny Bench because he was the next Johnny Bench. Now, all of a sudden, I'm on second base, and Jim Hickman's hitting, Clyde Wright's pitching, Amos Otis is playing center field, and Ray's catching, and Leo DeRocher's coaching third. He gets a base hit, and I'm going in the home, and I start to slide, and I look at home, and Ray's got the plate blocked. So if I slide, I'm probably going to break both of my, my collarbones. So I went over him, and I tagged the plate with this hand right here, and I'm safe. The game is over, but the advantage was – The ball was about that far from him. So I hit him before he got the ball. If he'd have got the ball, he'd have planted me in the next week. Mm -hmm. And I've been over and I said, you all right. And evidently he wasn't. I missed the next three games. He didn't miss any. And he went on to play nine more years. Mm -hmm. But the moral of the story is don't block the plate unless you got the ball with (laughs) me coming. Because I I wasn't trying to hurt him. I I was trying to keep from hurting myself. Right. to this guy he's still bitter about that you know several years ago he was he, he commentates for Cleveland. and he or no Oakland he does Oakland games right. he told somebody that uh, he knows I was trying to hurt him why would I try to hurt him? Right. I'm trying to win the game and I did we did we did Good. win the game that's you what, such a bad had I mean, you had to be in a clubhouse meeting we had a president named Warren Giles who was Bill Giles's dad who owns the Phillies. Did own Phil Mr. Middleton owns them now, and he would have a clubhouse meeting, and his veins in his neck would pop out. If you guys don't win this game tonight, you won't make this game tomorrow next year. I won't pick you to be on this team. And in those days, you wanted an All Star game that gives you negotiating power. Mm-hmm. Hey, I made the All Star team. That's worth ten thousand. Yeah. And this guy was passionate. About, I don't know about Nuke Rotney, what kind of uh, clubhouse I mean, he had in Notre Dame, but this was just as good. You could see his damn veins popping up. I want to win this game because I got to prove to the world that the National League is better than the America League. And this is the only place we got it in, uh, except uh, the, the World Series. And only one team goes to the World Series.
3: Mm-hmm. We won
2: 16 out of 17. You know, here's, here's the way the game was. I made the All Star team in 1967 as an outfielder. Okay, I made it as an outfielder. Don't forget, when I was the outfield during my All Star years, I had to beat out Clemente, Mays, and Aaron. What mm-hmm. was the other outfielders? And, and the game was 15 innings long, and Tony Perez had a home run in the top of the 15th. We won the game two to one. And I didn't get in the game until like the 14th inning. And I, I made it as an outfielder. When I got in the game, I played second base. And the reason I didn't get in the game till the 14th inning, because I was the only guy left on the, the bench who could catch. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Right. I, I made it as an outfielder. I played second. And the only reason I didn't get in the game until the 14th inning, so we had no catchers left except me. Mm. It's crazy. That tells a story right there.
3: Yeah,
0: Play them yeah. all. Play all the positions. Yeah. Play everywhere. Anywhere yeah. you can, right? Yeah. Well, uh, but, but, you know, your, your attitude, you know, round and third and, and coming in to score there, you know, you were criticized for that. Uh, uh, that,
2: uh, that You, you know. knocked a catcher down in an all-star game? What the, there was 50 million people watching. Right. Plus my dad was in the front row. we am not supposed to say, oh, go ahead and tag me, Ray. I'm I'm trying to win the damn game. There you go. And and, and by the way, Jimmy, the only people who criticized me were were American League fans. Okay. Yeah,
0: interesting. I was one of those
2: guys. Where you would the fans would criticize me in Philadelphia, but when I went there to play, they loved me. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Okay. Right. Fans at Dodgers stated hated me, but if I'd played for the Dodgers, they'd have loved me. Mm -hmm. And once I understood that, it was easy playing the way I played. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to ruin everybody's his hometown victory by winning the game that night on the road, mm-hmm. okay? The only way to, the way to shut people up is a base hit, make a great play. That's the way to shut fans up. You know, whenever a guy would heckle me during the game at the ballpark, yell at me every freaking inning, you know what I'd do? I would figure out a way before the game was over to throw that son of a bitch a ball. Okay, where Mm -hmm. everybody could see me giving him a ball after this guy screaming at me for six innings. He felt about this big. It's Mm -hmm. almost like he'd want to throw the ball back. Right. But everybody wants a baseball. Kill him with kindness. In a Dodger stadium. This guy was pissed at me, too. And he's in the front row and I'm playing left field and the ball went in the seats and came on the field. And I get picked up the ball and I give it to this guy underhand, and I I turned around and went back to my position. He fired a seed, hit me right in the middle of the back with the ball. Now, that was a guy who was pissed off at me, because I gave him a ball, and he still threw it, hit me right in the middle of the back. He threw a seed, too. I thought Koufax fixed the ball up, threw me, hit me with it. Man, that was a pissed-off patron right there. (laughs) He
1: was pissed off. Get that guy a tryout. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do you see anybody in the game today that reminds you of yourself, or is
2: there someone that's at least close that you enjoy watching? There's a lot of of players that play hard. I can't say anything about uh, Mookie Betts. I can't say anything about Mike Trout. You know, I like Freddie Freeman. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of guys play hard, but we don't want to give them credit. There's something about giving guys credit for enjoying what they're doing and playing hard. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's more guys that play hard today than don't. OK, I just stood out because I was in motion all the time. You know, Joe Morgan played hard. Mm-hmm. He didn't run the first or he didn't stretch singles in the doubles or doubles in the triples. Tony Perez played hard. OK, but that's the way it came out. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not everybody is in motion all the time. Yeah. Not everybody had the personality of Jimmy Connors. OK, half of his deal was his personality and his enthusiasm that's that's the coup he was a great tennis player we all know that he had a great backhand we all know that but he had more enthusiasm than anybody he had more energy energy gets the job done it really does it really does i can't imagine playing a five set of tennis at that level man you got to be on your toes you got to be on your toes
0: but but you the way the way you talk Pete is is how important that is to you to you know to to have that attitude and that passion and that love for what you do, and and, and not being afraid to go and and lay everything out there. But then you know but you got to remember when when you played uh, and and when I played that was such a different time. Yeah, you know yeah. The, they they were used to genteel and yeah. and classy and. And uh, you know, tennis was more uh, country, club. Uh, country club, right? Uh, you know, so you know, rich for, man's
2: game, rich man's game,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, most
2: people, most people couldn't buy a tennis racket, Jimmy. Okay, just mm-hmm. like why is basketball so popular today? All the kids need is a pair of sneakers, right? Yeah. Baseball, you got to have a glove, you got to have shoes, you got to have a bat, you got to have a helmet. It's expensive.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Today, tennis is probably expensive, too, because rackets cost a lot of money. You know a friend of mine I bet you played against or knew, maybe he was too old for you, Tony Trabert.
0: Oh, he was. Of uh, course, I, I knew Tony Trabert, of course. He was a good he, player, too. Oh, of course. He was yes. before you, though. He was. Yeah. 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 He uh, he coached the Davis Cup. I was on the Davis Cup team yeah. when he was the coach, and uh, he was uh, he was the commentator for for CBS during the U.S. Open. So, okay. you know, I got to got to know Tony quite well.
2: I think you know I don't know what you think about this, but I think Patrick McEnroe does a pretty good job commentating for ESPN.
0: Well, I, I for you, you know, for ESPN, both, he's he's, he's certainly uh, you know he's. He, very exactly he's knowledgeable and, and been around it uh you know his uh, his older yeah. brother was uh, was a champion you know so so he got to see that and and uh and, and get around it and understand that so yeah he, he's uh, he's a uh, uh, very good at, at filling in right. you know and and, and for having uh, uh you know somebody that's sitting in, in you know in their in their lounge chair and you know watching the tennis on tv he's very good at that
2: what kind of person was uh, martina Navratilova?
0: Uh, she's one of my favorites. Uh, I love she can Martina. Play too. She can play oh too. boy, I did. Uh, I did some commentating with her for uh, at the U.S. Open a number of years, and 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 got to know her even better after she stopped playing, and and uh, it was uh, was fun to to do with her. But she, you know, it's interesting you you bring her up because she was one of the first uh, women that that change the the conditioning right and and, and, and oh, being shoot. in and being in shape and and yeah. uh you know cross training and things like that and uh and, and basically you know kind of help lay the groundwork for for a way a lot of the the the, the ladies train now
2: when you talk about billy jean king about i hit off her brother randy moffitt yeah name, exactly right? and uh, martina and uh people like that were the can they be talked in the same breath with Serena Williams?
0: Well, you, 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 are you comparing apples to apples? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very – I think that's very difficult to do because, you know, uh, Martina was playing at a, at a different time. I, I think her conditioning – and her training and all that was was totally different back then. I mean, she kind of forwarded that, you know, a generation. Right. You know, but the the equipment, the rackets, uh, you know, the the power is different certainly. Strings. Uh, strings are a lot different. The balls uh, you are know, different. The ball, it, you know, they yeah. Know. The balls are different. So, uh, you know, I think if if uh, all things being equal, and playing with the same equipment and and yeah. under the same conditions and and all that i uh, i think that i'd love to see that match that would be a hell of a match
2: it's just like it's just like people ask me all the time and i really believe this about what i'm about to say uh I don't know who the best player was i played against you know i played against A's commenting usual uh, but i always tell people that the greatest player in the history of baseball uh, without a question was babe Ruth and i'll tell you why because i don't think that What Babe Ruth, after the 1919 Black Sox scandal happened, Babe Ruth would go into this town or that town for three games. They'd sell out every game to watch Babe. Mm -hmm. He saved the sport. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Wayne Gretzky could save hockey. I don't know if Michael Jordan could save basketball. I don't know if Tom Brady could save football. But I do know Babe Ruth saved uh, baseball back in the 20s. And that's why he still has world series pitching records. If Babe Ruth was playing today, the way these balls fly out of there and how lively the ball is, Babe Ruth, he used to hit more home runs than the whole team that he played against. I mean, the guy Mm -hmm. was phenomenal. I know he's fat, but he wasn't,
0: but he did everything. Yes.
2: He he, he he lived hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He
2: He lived hard. And, and, And I know more about Babe Ruth than anybody because when I broke into the big leagues, we had an announcer named Wade Hoyt, Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame Yankee. He played with Babe. He used to go out with Babe. Mm. And I used to ask him every story about Babe Ruth and Babe was not a liquor drinker. He was a beer drinker. He didn't drink liquor. He drank beer. And Wade said he was just the nicest guy in the world. He loved kids. He always wanted to be around kids. And if he was hitting home runs a day, the way these balls go out of the ballpark, he did 75 home runs. I mean, right. I, that's what I believe. Other guys hit 45. He did 20, 25 more home runs just because how strong he was. He was hitting rocks. Mm-hmm. The baseballs that they they played with back in the 20s and 30s, they didn't, they didn't go nowhere. Hell, I saw a ball the other night, a foul tip hit behind the dugout. This is no bullshit. Hit the cement and bounce up to the second deck. And they're telling me the ball's not juiced. Right. I will kiss your ass if the ball's not juiced today. That's fine. It's right. juiced for everybody. Yeah. Okay. And all these guys on ESPN and, and all they do is he hit one 474 feet. He hit one 483 feet. Who gives a shit? He got one RBI. He got one run scored. Right. Right. Hank Aaron hit 755 home runs and never hit a tape major home run. He'll line drive home runs. You know, believe it or not, line drives go out of the ballpark too. Mm-hmm. Not just I tape major home runs. Right. They should take a lesson from Hank Aaron. 755 home runs and never hit 50 home runs. He did, only hit 40 a couple times.
0: Did you do you think the the players today even uh uh even consider going back and and looking at tape from the the guys in the past or, or are they just in their own mindset oh, because, in this time you
2: guys of I, jimmy i couldn't give a talk today to a clubhouse to talk about hitting they think i was fucking crazy hmm. what's he talking about okay it's just like one time I, I talked to ted williams he hit me here he hit me here he hit me here he hit me here he had me so confused i didn't know what to do and i said mr williams you may have been the greatest hitter ever, but my philosophy is see the fucking ball and hit the fucking ball hard. (laughs) He said, well, whatever you're doing, you're doing a good job with it. He confused me. See, that's one good thing about me talking to kids. I don't confuse kids when I talk about hitting. It's Mm -hmm. called the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? Okay, because you can really get kids... Uh, confused today when you start talking about launch angle and this and that, you know. And uh, I, I don't know where all this came from. Everybody thinks you got to hit the ball in the air. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I heard a statistic the other day. Your your son probably, you know, Joe, Joey Gallo is.
1: Yeah, I've heard. Yeah,
2: oh, he's been playing a long time. Long, hmm. Maybe I don't know if it's sixteen hundred uh, games or something like that. Hmm. He's, a whole, he's a big home run here for Texas. Okay. He's got one sacrifice flying his career. One. I hmm. think you'd have more by accident. Ray Charles would have more than that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he didn't speak the ball real well. <laughs> That's crazy. One. Do you watch a lot of
2: the games still? Do you watch? I watch two every day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting ready to watch the Reds in Washington. What'd you think about the Dodgers finally coming through last year? They got a good team. They got a good team this year. I don't know what the hell is wrong with them. They're just, all of a sudden, they went into a, a hitting tank. You know, Bellinger, is he that important to that team? I guess he is. Yeah. You know, it's tough when you take the, the guy right out of the middle of your lineup. Because you got other guys to put in there, but they're not producers like he is. He'll mm-hmm. be okay. We got a long way to go. We got 100, 115 games to go yet.
0: Yeah, Is that too many games? No. No, not at all. No? No. Yeah that wow. does uh, the the travel and uh you know tennis. I was in I was you in you don't talk
2: about travel these guys travel first class You're
0: right. right. They have their they, own plane they, they and everything. they bus out. right to
2: the bottom of the plane. Get on no you don't go through no airports. You're right. right the plane, the bus meets you at the bottom of the plane takes you to a hotel. You got the big rooms and everything like that. So it's it's no problem at all. I don't think. You well, know
1: you, If you start if you were managing today um, and like, as you watched, you know all the games and your up. perspective on how everything's changed. What would you try to do with your old, kind of old school ways of thinking to take advantage of a lot of the stuff today that you see?
2: Well, the most important, coach is your pitching coach. Anybody, it's just like hitting coach. Okay, in the yeah. last fifteen years, twenty years, I could think of one good, one good hitter, real good hitter, that was a hitting coach. You know who it was? Chili Davis. Chili Davis, right? I mean, these, these organizations, they hire these guys that are AAA players and they're big league hitting coaches. Well, evidently they don't know enough about hitting or they'd have made the big leagues. Mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't want someone that was a a, a AAA player teaching my kids how to hit. I wanted me to teach my kids how to hit Mm -hmm. because who knows more about hitting than me. I didn't want some coach teaching my son how to hit a baseball I know how to teach them. You know, you got to take time with these kids. You know, you got to make them understand why they're doing this or why they're doing that. Because hitting is difficult if you make it difficult, okay? And if you approach it the right way, it's easy. It's not easy because you make seven out of 10 outs. Right. But it's still easier, mm. okay? There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. I'm not going to tell you the swing of strikes. If you told Yogi Berra or Roberto Clemente, to swing his strikes only, they'd have been two thirty hitters, because they they'd have lost all their aggressiveness. They were they were what we call bad ball hitters. You throw a ball over Clemente's head, he'll hit a rope to right field. You throw one right there. How we try to get Roberto Clemente out? Throw the ball right down the middle. Hope he hits it at somebody, mm. because he was a bad ball hitter. So was Yogi. <laughs> Yogi was a bad ball hitter. I mean.
0: Look, look, look who you played against. Look who, you know, look at l- the names that you're bringing up. I mean, that, you know, for for somebody like me or, or some a lot of these young kids who are so, uh, so interested and love baseball, you know, to hear this, you're talking about these names and you and and your association with them. I mean, if that's not inspiring, you know, t- t- tell me what is. I mean, uh, how would a kid look at that?
2: You talk about getting nervous. My first All Star game was 1965 in Minneapolis. I was just a kid, three years in the league, and you know, All Star games usually on Tuesday. You go Monday for a workout, make sure your your uniform's there and your bats are there and everything's there. And I go, I walk into this clubhouse in Minneapolis, and I didn't know the clubhouse guy. He was a nice guy. I'm a locker in between between Mays and Aaron. I got Willie Mays here and Hank Aaron here. I'm saying, what the fuck am I doing here? These are two of the greatest baseball player. And I'll never forget those guys. I love those guys. You know why I love them? Because they treated me like I was one of the players. They didn't treat me like a rookie. Because they were there for the same reason I was, to win the freaking game. And I'll never forget those guys for treating me like that. Because they could make you feel like a, And that's why when, when I played in Cincinnati, every time we had a rookie player come to the big leagues, I went out of my way to treat him the way you're supposed to be treated, to make him feel at ease. Because I know everybody that makes the big leagues is a little nervous. And if you can talk to them and relax them, they're going to be better players. And I've had a lot of players come up to me and thank me for the way I treat them. When they walked into clubhouse for the first time, that's important. I'm sure you talked to a lot of young players who looked up to Jenny, Jimmy, Connors and you knew they were going to be good players. You probably helped relax them, help them think that they're part of the deal that they belong here. And they had to work hard to accomplish what you did. Okay. I don't know if you ever talked to players like that, but I did all the time, but you know, you, you're around yourself. Before the match in the, right. in the locker room, I'm around 24 other players, right? And six, seven coaches and a manager. So we had a lot of dialogue with young players.
0: Right. And also tennis being an individual sport. That's my yeah. competition. Yeah. You know, I, I, it, kind of hard for me and, and, To to make want my competition to feel relaxed when they (laughs) play, you know. I I I was hoping that they were more nervous, uh, you know. To
2: to well, you got a bat in your hand in my sport, and nobody can help you.
0: Well, that's true enough.
2: You're right. You got to bat. You got to hit it. You got to hit and you got to run. You know, you you just you you're you're like me. I think you always wanted to have the edge. The edge was very important. Yeah, it give you a better chance of winning. Yep, I agree. If edge. If you got the edge, you got a better chance of winning. Did you know your dad was like that? Did you, did you ever see your dad play? <laughs> yeah, I played golf with him a couple times.
1: Uh, <laughs> did you ever see your dad play? Oh yeah, yeah, he played long enough. I was born in '79. You ever seen him win a major? Uh, yeah. When I, I mean, I was like four. Yeah. Do you so, remember? Yeah, I remember. Okay. I remember his run in '91. When you know, yeah. he did you become around. a tennis player? No, nah, a little bit, but not. not Didn't, nothing rub like Didn't rub off. Didn't rub off. The you competitive crazy? nature did, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I take everything pretty serious, and I and I compete pretty hard. So. Good.
2: Should I tell your dad that he did he raised a trash mouth? You're a <laughs> trash mouth. <man. laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little bit.
0: Uh,
1: that's a cop. I do a podcast.
0: <laughs> Oh uh, pete you you've been you've been so good to spend time with us and, oh i spend
2: all day with you i could talk to jimmy connor's all day
0: well i to. that's what i want to ask you I, I you know it's great doing it like this but when when things loosen up a little bit would uh, would you mind if we come and sat down with you in person
2: you can and, sit and, down and, I'll, I'll and continue this i'll buy you dinner
0: uh, I'll, well, you know uh, what? We'll, we'll take you up on that. Deal. And, and I don't we'd think he, you'd I don't love to do it. I mean, not you
2: guys understand how much um, how much I really liked you when you played and how you played. Okay, you probably I said the you. same thing about me playing. I back. did. But yes. to me, you were Pete Rose playing tennis, if that makes any fucking sense.
0: A lot of sense. But
2: that's the way I looked at it. And I liked McEnroe but I liked you better because McEnroe seemed like a red ass to me. You got to be a red ass sometimes. Right. Okay. But uh, I think McEnroe tried to intimidate the referee sometimes. He didn't yeah. ever intimidate you. <laughs> How are you going to intimidate Jimmy Connors? You, well, you probably uh, like McEnroe, right?
0: We're, 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 we don't take each other out to dinner. Let's take, let's put it that way. <laughs>
2: and, and, and it was probably his attitude. He was a good player. No question about it. He didn't didn't have, he didn't have the things that Jimmy Connors had as far as being in front of the people. You know, he wanted the people were different. He wanted the people to hate him. You were conscientious about the people loving the way you played. That's why you played like you did. It worked. Mm
3: -hmm. Your
2: style worked. Okay. My style worked. Right. I don't know if it worked today, but I'm going to keep trying.
0: Well. Listen, you got to do what fits your personality fits you. Everybody's got their own. and Everybody
2: has expertise. mm -hmm. And the sooner you learn your expertise and just go out and do them. What I mean by that is if you can run, run. If you can hit, hit. If you can field, field. Okay? If you can win, win. That's the way it is. Don't try to do something you can't do. Yeah, good point. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, in other words, you're not 280 pounds trying to steal a base, or you're not uh, 280 pounds trying to bunt for a base hit. It just doesn't work that way. Everybody has something they can do. Go out and do what you can do on a consistent basis and you'll be successful.
0: Pick out that restaurant. We're gonna
2: come see you soon. I'm gonna take you to a restaurant called Michael's. Got the best fucking Dover soul in the world. They fly it in every two days.
3: Oh
2: boy. Sounds good. I like that. But you can't wear shorts.